Welcome everybody to the Be More Rugby podcast. This one is a real special one. <whistles> Lee, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks, James. Yeah, <laughs> loving it. The spring, the spring has sprung. The sun's coming out. You know, we're throwing the ball around with like uh, with abandon, um, and it's much much different to what it was two weeks ago playing in the heavy rain and mud. Uh, that we had out here in the, in the mighty Lloyd Park. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Love to see, love to see spring on its way. You did that so well. Thank you. And to <laughs> I confess to everybody now because I'm all about honesty. Um, we've done this one once, and I forgot to press record on the uh, uh, on the Zoom meeting. So, I'm going to introduce again, but this time recording so everybody can hear. Um, we've got Mark Philpot with us, and Mark uh, will come on to. Um, his incredible journey so far, but is here to talk about another incredible journey he is about to embark on, which is a run from Land's End to John O'Groats, the full length of the UK, a thousand miles, uh, in aid of mental health, uh, especially for rugby. It's the run for rugby for the in aid of the the Looseheads charity. So, Mark, welcome. How are you? I'm fantastic, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the show today, especially now that it's being recorded. I'm, I feel privileged. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, holler from Cancun in Mexico, where I am today, uh, sweltering in the heat. Unbelievable. So a New Zealander who's in Cancun, Mexico, who's coming to the UK next month to run from one end to the other. And I've been to Oxford and my brain's fried already. That's about it. I know. So still. <laughs> So let's kick off again. Apologies. Um, and we'll talk about some rugby like rugby fans do for a 10 minute warm up. And we'll talk about the Six Nations, the women's Six Nations. England have had a, a storming game. France have had a great game. What do we say? It's a two horse race. Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's all about the professionalism, really. Um, you know, it's nice to see that all these countries now uh, are looking at the uh, at the ladies and giving them professional contracts, but um, clearly England and France have got uh, got a head start and they're and they are in front. But um, you know, there, there's you can see by the quality of, of of the play that the other countries are starting to catch up, and and that will happen quite rapidly. But yeah, for me, two horse race. Who's it going to be? Mm. And you've been watching the Six Nations, Mark. I have with much interest, and uh, it was great to see the England Wales game from Cardiff Arms Park. Uh, a ground that I'm both familiar with and I think it's steeped in history with rugby. So it's great to see the women getting to play there in front of 8,000 spectators as well on a sunny sunny day, which was yep. a little bit unusual. And uh, yeah, as you, as you guys are saying, the ball was being thrown around a bit. So that was good to see. But yeah, France and England for me, um, probably streets ahead of the rest of the teams. But, um, you know, it's a funny game, rugby, and we're seeing that on the men's side, isn't it, how the other teams can catch up. And I don't think it'll be too long before we start to see some parity with uh, in the women's teams as well. No, I agree. Um, and it's all about competition and seeing a fantastic game. And we we we'll mention it again, as I'm sure um, the 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 World Cup final um, between England and New Zealand. Because I know you want to bring that up, Mark. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it would be great, and and it's and it's so positive to see these these other nations taking on um, the professional element. Um, and Mark, I know you're here to talk about mental health, as you said. Um, you mentioned earlier when I wasn't recording things okay. that um, 
obviously there's lessons learned from the from the men's um transition from amateur to to professionalism yeah i think if we look at the crescendo of that women's world cup final down at the eden park fortress where a new zealand rugby team doesn't seem to be able to get beaten in that ground which is which is one thing but uh, no, what a spectacle for the game it was. And for all those, you know, 47,000 spectators that were there on that day, to see a game that was seesawing every minute of the game, literally up until the last minute, and anybody could have won that game. Uh, it was a great spectacle for rugby. It was a great spectacle for women's sport. And it was a great spectacle for sponsors and investors who want to invest in the game to make it grow at all levels. And I think, you know, New Zealand was buzzing after that game and uh, it was it was buzzing because of the tournament, you know, and I think that's a great thing for women's rugby and it's a great thing for the game because, let's face it, rugby over the years has been one-dimensional. It's been all about the men. And now we have this wonderful opportunity to showcase the brilliance of women in sport um, in, the, in the great game of rugby. And I think we're seeing that through the investments that's coming in from sponsors. Also, the focus on making sure the structures are right. So... As you just said, James, there's a lot of opportunities to see where the game can grow in the right ways, learn the lessons from the men's development over the years. And with women coming also into administrating roles, coaching roles, um, we're seeing a different dynamic as a result of that, which I think is a great thing for the game in general. Yeah, that uh, that cup final was uh, certainly a great game. And, uh, you know, for it to go down to the wire as it did, could have gone either way right at the end. It was a fantastic uh, thing for people to watch uh, all over the world. And a great stepping stone for the game as well to propel the game on on once more again. Um, uh, we talked about this earlier, but um, you know uh, we're looking at uh, Twickenham, um, you know, and uh, the final in the final round of the uh, women's um, Six Nations, uh, England France, and they're talking about Twickenham being sold out or close to being to, to capacity um, for that game. That's just something which you would never have imagined, you know, a couple of not that long ago, really. Well, 47,000 tickets sold so far. That's amazing, isn't it? So, you know, they they are talking about getting getting that beyond 70,000. So that's just a, a massive, massive encouragement for the game. Yep. And I think we had, um, uh, a week or so ago, we had uh, Amy Humphreys on, who's mm. um, through TikTok's uh, investment into the Women's Six Nations. Um, there's more, um, more, more access for people to look generally day to day and see what goes on behind the scenes as well, because people like Amy are there interviewing the, you know, the best players in the world, both on the men's and the women's yeah, side. Yeah. And they're, they're interacting with them and they're, and they're bringing a character out of them that we wouldn't have seen back in our day. You'd have just seen the, the, you know, the after match interview and maybe a, a pre-match interview. And, and that was about it. But, there's so much more engagement now, and uh, and like you said, Mark, the the investment that's that's gone into it is really paying off. But it's critical, isn't it? Sport needs characters. You know, sometimes mm. sport can get a bit sterile. You know, and I think rugby has the men's game certainly has gone slightly sterile for me. You know, the characters that were around sort of fifteen, twenty years ago, go back that far. Um, you know, they're not they're not there anymore, and it just feels a bit sterile at times. And and like uh, like you said, James, like some of the players are almost uh, I wouldn't say unapproachable, but they're not inaccessible. You know, you don't really know who they are. You know, you kind of want players to play up a bit. You want you know a few stories around them, don't you? You, know? mm. you need mm. need that kind of background. You said, Mark, that the the women's game's big in the Southern Hemisphere. Although we mentioned we 
don't get to see much of it because it's different times time zones but um how how has it changed recently or is it or has it been sort of uh, more advanced than than up here in the northern hemisphere well it's been growing well but i think the world cup really uh you know put the lit pushed the lid off the volcano didn't it you know it took it to another level and um got everybody in the country excited you know i saw and and felt the vibe from that event that you typically get around a men's world cup right and and it was this kind of you know, New Zealand comes together around sport and whether it's the America's Cup sailing, whether it's the All Blacks playing and now the Black Ferns, you see the best of the Kiwis when they get around their teams and they and they don't forget it overnight, you know, like they go away and those those players in that team are still heroes today, right? And and they're telling their stories and they're sharing their lives. So it's become part of that DNA of New Zealand rugby. And I think it's fantastically exciting what's happening um, down under with with the investment that's going into the game and uh, it can't grow fast enough as far as I'm concerned because I just love watching the women play and uh, and to your point too Lee I think it's a, it's a good thing that you know these women know how to talk on camera they know how to have a conversation and they bring a different level and emotion to a robotic man talking uh, and scripted comments and I think that's what you might be alluding to Lee about the way that guys answer some of these questions you know these women are engaging they're fun they've got character and uh, that can only be good for the game mm. well uh, again whilst i didn't press record i did mention the fact that i dusted off my old all blacks training shirt which i don't know i might have lost a little bit of weight since then maybe a little bit of bulk but um let's finish this off with it was so close well what does england need to do to beat new zealand next time <laughs> Well, first of all, for me, we need to keep 15 players on the pitch. That would help. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, um, it was interesting because it was two completely different styles of play, you know, which, uh, you know, which went head to head against each other, which it was just great. You know, you, you see so often in the men's game that one side cancels another out because they play in almost almost the same fashion. But that's what I really liked about that was it, it was just complete contrasting styles of play. Uh, end of the day, yeah, anyone could have won the game, and that was it. Yeah, but it, it, it went. New Zealand won it, and they deserved it. Um, so I think it's a difficult question. I think both teams were were worthy of winning it, but only one can. Mm. Mark, yeah, I think the same. I think the game could have gone either way. So I don't think it's a matter of England having to really step it up or, or do anything different, but just keep on the same trajectory as they are. And I think the more experience that all the women have at international level is going to help, obviously. Um, now, all these women that go away, whether you win or lose, you you take something away from that experience. And I think the England girls will be much richer for that loss. Um, mentally, they'll come back a different unit, of course, and and they'll be able to perform at a different level against the type, the likes of the Kiwis and that. So mm. no, I think it was a great spectacle. I don't think England should be too down on themselves about it. It could have gone either way and um, a great, great thing for the game. It's, it's a telling thing in any game of rugby is when you come off of the the back of a game which was so incredible like that was and you're so disappointed because you lost it by fingertips but you're buzzing still afterwards you don't feel deflated you feel i want to say exhausted but in a positive way like you've you've witnessed something great but you've contributed to the spectacle haven't you mm. you know you're you're in there you're part of of that you know that that great moment no, that that great, um, you know, whatever, whatever it be that great thing that's just happened there. You are in that moment. You're with your teammates. Yeah, 
yes, you might have lost. You might have come out on the wrong side of it, yeah, but you're still, um, you know, you, the adrenaline's going, you're still in there, in the moment with, with your mates. Um, there's not a lot to be said. Sometimes sometimes it happens, you know. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and that's just a, a learning curve, isn't it, you know? But you've got to be in there. You've got to be in the mix to, to win it anyway, so, you know. Were you, were you in New Zealand during the World Cup? Mark? No, I wasn't, unfortunately, and I had to watch it from afar like you guys. But, uh, you know, the only thing I'll add to what Lee articulately said then was that, you know, these days we see more and more that it's an 80-plus minute game, isn't it? You know, like how many games are getting decided in those last few minutes yeah, and, and even in overtime, right? So you've got to have your, your foot on the gas the whole time and, and leave nothing um, unturned. But I think what, what that game did for the world of rugby was it showed that two nations – at the height of their game, contributed to a spectacle and a spectacle that here we are still talking about it, right, and still mm -hmm. passionate about it. And uh, that'll live forever, that that game, you know, for sure. I'll be YouTubing it in 20 years from now, I'm sure, yeah, watching I'm sure. it again. Yeah, I'm sure. There we go. Well, seeing as we successfully got further than we did last time when I forgot to press record, I think we're going to... Stop beating yourself up, James. Come on. It's oh, I've got to. I feel... Um, anyway... Let's move on to our first half. Um, this is where we uh, get to know more about our guest. So just to introduce Mark, Mark Philpott, um, going to read this out. Bear with me. Done so much in his life. Uh, this will take a minute. 25 years global corporate executive, 15 years nonprofit leader. Uh, he's made an award-winning documentary when he cycled across Asia to um, uh, help kids in Asia, I assume, in uh, helping kids in Asia. He's written book uh, about his time as a homeless man and the streets around the world. He's the founder and chief editor of Humanity Magazine and the Humanity Podcast, uh, the ex-global brand ambassador, and this is an impressive one, for the Christopher Reeves Foundation, and people of our generation will know who that is. The youngsters listening, if there are any, won't. Um, the original Superman, um, the founder, the host, the producer of the Global Sports Channel, uh, Rugby Review on the Sports Channel. He's a nine times Ironman triathlon finisher, a 59 times marathon finisher, an ultra marathon finisher and a cancer survivor. And now he's a global ambassador for Looseheads, where on the 8th of May, he'll set out on a thousand mile run the length of the UK for mental health in rugby. Mark, welcome. That's a hell of an accolade. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us, before we go back in the past, why run for rugby? A couple of reasons, really. The first one is um, about 20 years ago, I was uh, about to take my own life. I was living in Brussels and Belgium at the time as a global corporate executive for a multinational company. And I'd hit rock bottom in terms of depression, anxiety. Um, the corporate world wasn't fulfilling my personal needs uh, in terms of happiness. Um, a lot of that was contributed by my own fault. I'm not blaming the corporate world for that. Um, it was my own undoing. And uh, yeah, I was just minutes away from, from ending it all. So 
this run comes out of being a, one of those many people who have been to a very dark place personally and um, understanding how, how bad it is, understanding how bad it can get and having a deep desire to want to help others climb out of that hole and to find themselves again. So that's really the first motivation. And uh, when I, at the beginning of this year, came across the Lucid's organization when I was planning this run, it just seemed like a perfect fit because I love the sport of rugby. And I spoke to one of their co-founders and after a very short conversation, I just fell in love with what they're aiming to do, what they've already done. And uh, I wanted to use my combined skill sets, some of which you've written, uh, read out there, um, to help this organization. And, uh, you know, I'll go on to say, but this first run through the UK is one of three runs that I'm going to be doing okay. across different countries, um, all in aid of supporting Lucets. So that's really the background to it. So, and, we'll, and I'm sure we'll come on to um, the dark times of your life, but let's go back then to the the younger mark did you play when you were younger when you were at school was rugby a thing obviously you're a new zealander so it probably was in your blood i just want to say that i'm very thankful we're all wearing black today um there's something in that that's got to be meaningful right and and canterbury as well yeah, fantastic mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> good on good on you lee friend for life mate friend for life <laughs> um yeah, look, rugby has been always part of the family. My father was a rugby player and a good rugby player. Um, and there weren't many times in our house when the conversation wasn't turned around rugby. And him and I used to get up in the wee hours in the morning to watch all the Northern Hemisphere games and uh, stoke the fire to keep warm and, uh, you know, watch the either the All Blacks playing or the Six Nations or the Bockers doing what they do. And uh, yeah, we just lived and breathed it for all of my younger years, actually. So I played at all the all levels of school. Um, my father was a representative for the North Island in New Zealand against the South Island. Wow. So he played at quite a substantial level. Um, and I played for schoolboys. So I played in the North Island schoolboys team. Um, yeah, so just used to love the game. I also had tennis going on in the background in the summertime. So I played rugby in the winter and tennis in the summer. And unfortunately, it got to a stage where I had to make a decision because I wanted to be a professional tennis player. And that was my dream in life. And uh, after many years of watching people like Dave Loveridge and Graham Murray and all the great All Blacks, um, and then watching the tennis, you know, the Bjorn Borgs and the John McEnroe's and, and these guys, I decided to, to go down the tennis path and actually become a professional tennis player. So... So that was my my motivation from a sporting point of view, but it, it was really rugby has always been you know, part of my DNA. When I left New Zealand to go and play my tennis, I I took the opportunity while I was traveling the world to jump into every single rugby match I could go and attend. Um, and also back in New Zealand, you know, I remember my first ever occasion of going to watch the All Blacks play was was in that 1975. I was 10 years old at the waterlogged pitch in Eden Park when they played Scotland. And um, my dad got a seat right behind the goalposts uh, in the first row. And one of the All Blacks, I think it was Brian Williams, actually scored a try where he actually slid for about 15 metres <laughs> through the puddles in the water and, and stopped just in front of us. And um, that's an occasion that I'll never, ever forget. And it was, it was just the horrendous day of weather that I've ever, ever seen for a rugby game to be played and, and they should have caught it off because I don't think under today's circumstances, they would have even played the match, but no. 
I just remember going to my first All Blacks test match with my dad and uh, it was just uh, such a fantastic occasion. So, yeah, it's always been part of the blood and uh, as I say, whenever I've had the opportunity around the world, I'll jump in to watch a, a rugby game and not only All Blacks, I'll, I'll follow anybody and just love the sport. So that's, wh that's where it's all come from. And I think that's the the beauty when you're a rugby fan, you're a rugby fan. I think, um, you know, we've enjoyed watching as, you know, as many games that aren't involved in England as, as, as I can imagine, really. I mean, yeah, we all are fans, but, uh, yeah, I sort of, I, I kind of prefer to watch games that don't involve England a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I find them a lot less stressful anyway, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And some, I don't know, I, it's nice. You know, I like, um, particularly watching, watching France, for instance, you know, um, not just they're high flying now, but they've always been one of those teams that just throw the ball around and uh, sort of have a go and you never quite know what you're going to get. So, you know, but yeah, any, any, any team really, but uh, yeah, England can be um, quite stressful. Yes. Yeah. So you became a professional tennis player. I did. I was a uh, journeyman. Okay. Uh, so I wasn't uh, playing on the hallowed turfs of Wimbledon, but I was trying to make a living out of it. And um, but really, what tennis gave me was a great insight to how to survive in the world. It was a university lesson of life, really. And uh, I was travelling with my best mate at the time, who was a couple of years older than me. So he was kind of my bro big brother and chaperone. And uh, we left New Zealand with about two hundred bucks in our pocket and a couple of wooden tennis rackets back then and said, right, let's take on the world and see what we can do. And as happens with most opportunities, I'm going to talk, talk about it today with the run, because when you, when you take that decision to get outside of your comfort zone um, and you take on your dreams, then all sorts of amazing things start to happen because doors open for you that you never possibly imagined, right? So I ended up meeting tennis stars and playing against some of them. I ended up getting a fantastic coach who was like a second father to me. And I was just able to, you know, grow up as a young man um, living around the world and, and being very privileged to do that. But I think you also create your own luck in life. And if I hadn't left New Zealand a, as a young boy and gone to do that, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it and had those experiences that mm. you read out about my resume, because all those things were a result of me leaving New Zealand and going and chasing my dream. And since I, since I started playing tennis, I always, kept my belief and it's more important to chase your dream in life than it is to chase money. So all of my decisions in life have been around that. And uh, all those things that you read out, it was because they were dreams of mine to do. And I put those at the forefront of my priority rather than uh, trying to put money in the bank. So that's just the way I've lived my life. And I'm doing it again now at the age of 58 to come to the UK. So I love that. I mean, we, we are be more rugby and that's what, what we promote because <clears throat> rugby's our sport but i've always been clear and i when i wrote my book i was clear in my book it's it's about sportsmanship sportswomanship it's about being part of a team um tennis you know you've just said it there you know you were a professional uh, tennis player and you might say that's um an individual sport rather than a team sport but you've got coaches you've got physios you've got um managers you've got other teammates you've got people helping you when you're training uh, even a you know even a guy that steps in the boxing ring you know they don't sit in the corner on their own as soon as they oh. sit down the whole team's around them and it's all about making something um achievable by working with each other and yeah 
be more be more rugby as us, but actually be more sports. We're happy with that one as well. <laughs> but we'll talk about the rugby anyway. So, yeah, look, I I've got to say this that when I when I decided to go down the tennis path, a lot of the things I'd learned as being a rugby player helped me in my tennis journey. Right, um, how to interact with other people, how how to have that social connection um, at that young age was really important. And you're right, no no sport today and no sport for a long time has been an individual sport. Everybody has people around them that they have to rely on, whether they be the coaches and, and you know, there's an old, you know, today if you look at sport, it's an entourage, isn't it, that follows an athlete around. And yeah. it's critical that those people are able to engage and communicate. And rugby taught me all that from a very young age. And uh, I've only got my dad to thank for that because he got me involved in the sport when I was, I don't know, five or something. And um, growing up in that team environment and, having mentors and, and all the rest of it. That's helped me all throughout my life. So um, regardless if I was standing on a tennis court with some white fluffy balls back in the day, it's a different thing. Yeah. Well, we, we run the academy here, as I've mentioned before, Lee's head of academy. It was his brainchild. Um, it's all about um, a pathway from minis to Colts rugby and then Colts to senior rugby, because it's, it's a different generation and, and day to day. And, we were losing players coming into Colts. Um, so we introduced the under-16s with the under-18s as a, as a training, as a, an academy. They play as junior academy and senior academy. And we've got incoming junior academy players this coming season, which are currently under-15. So, And we've done a couple of presentations for them to talk about what to expect for, from the academy. But our, one of our biggest messages to the parents is that these these lads that are coming into the academy now need to take responsibility for themselves. They need to be the ones that are communicating. They need to be the ones that are organizing themselves because at some point in time, when they go to work, you as parents aren't going to be able to go and talk to their bosses for them and explain why they've forgotten their lunch or why they're late or why they slept in or why they haven't done this. They've got to be able to stand and do it for themselves. And and we feel that giving them that opportunity in the academy to say, we don't want to hear from your parents. We want to hear from you. If you've got questions, you communicate them. If you need something, you communicate it. If you need to be somewhere, you communicate it so that they can, in however many years' time, go to university or go to work and be able to stand there and, and communicate for themselves. And we're, we're really keen on developing them as yeah it's it's a big step isn't it for you know when they when they're coming up because it is very much coming up from the the 15s where mum and dad have done everything for them you know done all the communication they've gotten to places on time made sure their gum shields there made sure the boots are in the bag you know um and then trying to sort of turn that almost uh 360 degrees on its head and just say right now lads you know ladies you're now responsible for yourselves mm. you know you need to take take that responsibility but ultimately this is how, how they're going to improve themselves, you know, and get themselves ready for, you know, as, as you said, said, Mark, what happens to you in later life? Yeah. What, what, how did you get prepared for doing whatever activity it is or chasing whatever dream it is? Well, you can fall back on these values, right. And they will probably give you a good indication of which way to go. Yeah. Brilliant. I applaud you guys for doing that because, um, you know, back in the day, you know, those things were few and far between. And if, if young guys had that level of support, um, we all would have turned out a little bit different and probably better, right? But uh, no, I, I applaud you for doing it because it's a vital age, isn't it? You know, that development years. Um, 
and critical to have pathways. You know, we we see on the TV all the time these elite players and all the rest of it, but we don't know where they've come from. We don't know how they've got there. And um, I think more needs to be done around that. And I think, you know, going back to our conversation earlier about the women's game and behind the scenes stuff, I think that's really important because it shows the pathway and what's involved and and some of the things that perhaps these young girls and boys have never considered before. And I've always thought as an ex-professional athlete that if someone had given me that kind of mentorship in the beginning to say, this is what you're in for, this is what it's going to look like, right? Um, it would have been a huge help. But uh, you guys having that in place today, that's phenomenal. And uh, yeah, again, I applaud you for it. Well, we're doing our best. I mean, talking about... Professional athletes. Uh, I mean, I would love to touch on all the things that that I've um, that, that I introduced you about. Um, I'd especially love to le- learn more about the Christopher Reeves Foundation, but maybe another time because I don't, I just don't think we'll have the time. But coming back to the, the main reason you're here to to do this incredible run for Looseheads, when we spoke on the phone um, last week. Uh, when we were trying to organise this podcast, um, we talked about mental health in in elite sports and especially in rugby, and uh, and you touched on the fact that you know there are professional rugby players out there that have taken their lives, and nobody knew. I mean, your experience you were quite open about earlier on. How did you stop yourself? Did some was somebody there for you? Did did you just come to some realization? Actually, there was someone there for me, and it was a TV show. Would you believe it? So, and and this is the sliding doors moment, right? That we've all experienced in our lives at different times. But for me, when I was about to commit suicide on that Sunday afternoon in Brussels, there was a TV show on the television in front of me, and I saw a young guy in a wheelchair. And ironically, this is what led to the Christopher Reeve relationship, right? So it just shows I went from that darkness in terms of being ready to take my own life to stopping to watch this young guy who was a sportsman on this TV show, a Belgium TV show, and then stopping and realizing that there's people worse off than me, that it's not so bad after all, that I've created the story in my mind that I'm the worst and darkest and nobody cares in the world. Whereas in fact, just looking in front of me, there was somebody who was in a worse situation. Mm. So a very long story short, what I actually did was I reached out to that young guy on that TV show who happened to live in Belgium. And he eventually saved my life because we became friends. And it was through that relationship that I started the Christopher Reeve relationship. So it just shows how you can move from that darkest moment and darkest hour of your life to to something that was extraordinary because that was another transformational part of my life was meeting Christopher and, and having him as a mentor and, and lots of different things in my life. It must have been. A, and as I say, I'm, <laughs> I'm fighting the urge to really just go down this path. But for everybody that doesn't know, Christopher Reeves was the original Superman, uh, fell off his horse and damaged his spinal cord and was paralyzed from the neck downwards. Went from superhero to absolute complete paraplegic in a wheelchair and there's a there's a big fall there but every time i and sadly he's not with us anymore but every time i ever saw him interviewed he always seemed so upbeat 
and that must because you must uh, you must have spent some time with him. How was he? Well, I'll just say I'll, I'll just say one thing, James, because he was a superhero to many mm. through through the films, but he was even a greater superhero to so many more through what he did as an advocate for spinal cord injury and for people in wheelchairs. Right, so. You know, Christopher's story is a fantastic example of how we label people in one certain box, right? And we do this with rugby players, right? That's, mm-hmm. you know, look at Jonah Lomum and the legacy of his life, right? And and we put people in a box that this is what they do, but Christopher's real work started from the day that he was in that wheelchair and, and you know, touching millions of people across the world and helping and inspiring and changing laws in the United States to help disabled people and yeah the list goes on so there's a there's a silver lining isn't there behind every dark cloud um, whether it be losing a rugby game or fighting back from you know nearly taking your own life so powerful so so powerful so and like you say it it all brings us to this this run for rugby so what experience have you got of rugby players that are struggling and have struggled maybe in your past, maybe today that are struggling with mental health and what awareness should there be for those that those people that just are perhaps, I don't want to say ignorant of it because it's not just perhaps an ignorance thing because I know personally from my experience, knowing people that have suffered with, with mental health it's difficult to see. Look, I, I want to maybe just clarify for the point of the conversation that we're having so so the listeners can really understand the emphasis of where I'm coming from on this because when we talk about the rugby community, we're talking about a family, aren't we? We're talking about people who are interconnected no matter what language we speak, what accent we have, whether we come from the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere whether we're a boy or a girl or a man or a woman, um, we're all the same breed when it comes to our love for the game and our passion for the game. And I want to make sure that one of the things that we focus on with this run through the UK is that the rugby family is all suffering from mental health issues. So it's not just the players, it's the coaches as well. It's the administrators and the officials. Look at this racial abuse we're seeing across the world now towards referees and players and all these sorts of things. So my focus is not just on players. It's across the rugby family. And if we're going to do this right with mental health awareness, we've got to include all of the demographics. We've got to include everybody. It's got to be inclusive uh, of everybody that's affected by mental illness because it has no boundaries and it has no time of the day. It has no borders um, and, it, and it has no 80 minutes, right? It doesn't turn off after 80 minutes. And in fact, for a lot of people, it gets worse after 80 minutes because you ask me about people I'm connected to. Well, I've lost a friend who was a coach who took his own life because his team lost two games. Two games. Right. And the pressure he was getting from parents and from sponsors and everybody else was too much for him to take because no one was checking in on him to see how he was. There was no personal development and support for him as a coach within the structure that he was working in. So those are the things that we have to change. And we have to change that through duty of care. We have a duty of care for everybody within the rugby family. 
And since I started this project, I'm, I'm already meeting amazing people in the UK who are working in that space, who I want to publicize more and more as I go through my run, because this run is not about me. This run is about the cause and the cause is doing something to make a difference in this mental health space, right? That's what it's about. So I find this difficult because every club, even clubs that look like they're flourishing, every club's got its problems, every club's got its issues. And and sometimes even just as a volunteer, you you talk to people that are volunteering in kids' rugby, youth rugby, minis. They're there because their their kids are there and they're volunteering out of the goodness of their heart. And I've had conversations with parents, volunteers, where they've been in tears because of the pressure. It shouldn't be in the first place. It's the most difficult conversation to have because you can feel so absolutely incredibly what's the word weak in in your ability to help i'm a i'm a, i like to be a problem solver i like to find answers and things to stuff but i've you know i've just recently completed the rfu mentoring course and the the biggest thing that struck me was it's not about finding sometimes solutions and answers sometimes it's just about listening and understanding and asking what do you want from me? How can I help? Well, what would you say, Mark, people should do if they do find themselves in that situation? Well, there's a couple of things that we need to do as a rugby global family, I think. And the first one is we need to have these hard conversations, right? Mm. So we've got to have these hard conversations with the administrators and the officials of the sport at every level. So it doesn't matter whether you're the elite at the top of the game or whether you're just starting off on the grassroots. Um, these hard conversations have to be had and the questions have to be asked. Are we doing this to the best that we possibly can? Are we taking care of our people? And I don't care whether you're in sport or whether in global business, that's the question you should be asking you straight away anyway, is right, are we taking care of our people? And then we need to listen more and we need to actually hear when somebody is telling us something and they not may not be saying it in plain words. And this is the hardest thing around mental health because somebody could be having a conversation. I used to do this all the time when I was playing Jekyll and Hyde in the corporate world. I would go to the office every day and look as though I was the happiest guy in the world. And deep inside, I was burning up and killing myself, literally. And the hardest thing for me to do was to actually reach out and talk to somebody. So you've got to build trust and... You know, you are two guys, and I've only known you for a very short period of time, but I'm sure you're two guys that somebody could actually come to you and have a conversation with because they, they trust that it's going to be respected, first of all. And I think this has been one of the issues within the world of rugby for, for a long time, is that because of the macho image of the game, the respect thing, the, the respect line has been broken quite easily, and people haven't entrusted in having those conversations. And I think by bringing women into the game and women rightly playing their role in the game, this is going to help to change one of these elements because women love to talk. And it's a great thing because they're going to teach men how to talk and have these conversations. 
and they're going to guide men on how to do this. And I think this is really important um, as a game. So we, we need to listen more and we need to ask the right questions. And how many times I've turned up to, a, you know, when I was a kid, we used to we used to actually live on a rugby field. We had a rugby ground at the back of our house. So every weekend there was games going on um, at different levels. And I used to sit on the on the fence between our property and the rugby field. And players would come around and sit and chat to me. And within about an hour, I would get the feel of whether a person was happy or not or whether they were struggling with something because we had a conversation. Mm. And this is what I love about loose heads because it all started from having a pint in a bar and someone saying they didn't feel good, right? And that's all it takes. So it doesn't matter about where the environment is. As long as the person feels safe and respected, then they can start that conversation that can change their life. And as long as the person's listening, um, then we can do something about it. I'm in the, um, as well as a rugby fan, um, trying to resurrect my playing days or keep them alive or something like that. I don't know. Perhaps I'm also in the construction industry and, um, and I know Lee's in the engineering industry, both again, quite um, known for being tough and um, what's the word? having men in it rather than people in there that are going to have a conversation. And I was shocked. Um, it was actually, it was just before lockdown. I used to um, hold inductions for everybody that had come onto our sites. And I would always spout that um, the highest form of death in the constru construction industry was falls from height. And the second highest cause was things falling from height. And in 2019, uh, the CIOB did a report on mental health in construction. And 70% of those interviewed um, reported entertaining or thinking about taking their own life. And actually, the truth is now the biggest killer in the construction industry is suicide by a considerable amount and i've changed my inductions my whenever i spend time with people in a, in a site office i always end with the biggest cause of death fatality in the construction industry is is suicide so if you want to talk to me in confidence in any way this site cabin door is always open and i've never known in the short years since how many people have come to talk to me and told me that they tried taking their own life or they're in dire situations it's staggering to have a conversation with somebody that that generally before i'd have just gone you know here you are there's the loose there's the first aid kit you know don't fall down that hole crack on don't get hit by anything or fall in, fall off anything um it's it's shocking so this is this is it's it's so in need of being talked about, and I'm I'm so so glad that you reached out and, and wanted to come on on the podcast. And um, I won't speak to for Lee, but I'm I'm certainly pleased that we can have this conversation. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? We start off we we we're a rugby podcast, but then when you look at all the different um, areas in your lives and other people's lives where all this is relevant, it starts to become a much, much bigger picture. 
Um, but it's so much so important that we try and create the right environment and the right sort of confidence, if you like, in, in that space that people are comfortable to talk about any issues they have. And I think that's probably what we're trying to do also with the uh, with the academy, isn't it? To try and, you know, give the lads the, and, and, and the girls um, the opportunity, you know, and that, that, that comfort, that safety, safe area, if you like, to come and chat to us if they need to. Um, and likewise, chat to their peers as well. Um, it's been interesting to see what James said earlier about we've, got, we've had the 15s um, starting to join us um, the last uh, two months or so. Uh, and uh, the under-18s particularly have taken them under their wings and trying to help them out, sort them out, trying to put them in the right direction, mm -hmm. you know. Right? And it's really, it's nice for us to see that, you know, what, if you like, the, the dream of what we're trying to create is starting to become some sort of reality. But uh, but yeah, no, it's critical that we uh, that we keep um, you know providing these accessible areas for people to have these conversations. Yeah, because at the end of the day, those rugby players, whether they be men or women, they go home to a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a wife, a husband. They go home to a family, right? And if they're not feeling well, then that has a bigger impact on the world. So yeah, we can all focus on rugby and that's important for us because we're passionate about it. But at, at the end of the day, we're all human beings and uh, a life saved is a, is a life given. So that's our, our duty to do that, I think. I loved what you said as well about the um, the women's side of the game being a help to the men's side of the game because women love to talk. And, um, and I know my girlfriend will listen to this because she does. She loves to talk. And we have the conversation regularly where I should listen and pay attention and 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 communicate at the same time because I know I'm I know I'm bad at just not wanting to talk about how I feel sometimes. It's just blokes things. But yeah, she has this um this way of trying to tease it out of me. So um fair play. And she'll be delighted to hear you say what you said as well. So, <laughs> I've got a little antidote for you on that because you all know and remember the great all-black Richie McCall. And Richie was an idol of mine, and uh, not only for what he did on the rugby field, but the way that he was a leader and, and the way that he changed and was part of the change of the all-black philosophy. And one of the things he always had on his mantra card was to be the greatest all-black. That was one of his own personal goals right it was to do that but he spoke he speaks many times about having the inability to be able to share that goal with other men he never told anybody in the team that that was one of his goals because he thought he'd be ridiculed and laughed at right and it wasn't until after his career when he you know started writing books and doing all these things that we found out that his goal was always you know to be the greatest all black and that's what drove him but isn't that a sad indictment of where we are as men if we can't share with our mates, our best mates that we we go into battle with um, exactly what our goals, ambitions and life are and all the things that ultimately these blokes are going to help us get to that goal, right? Because we're a team, right? So I find that so incredibly dumb of men when, they, when we don't stand up and say, look, guys, here's my goal. Who's going to come and help me achieve it? Because it's going to be the better for all of us, yeah? Well, I, we've done, uh, we do player profile or try to help the, the players in the academy by talking to them about it's just simple questions um where do they feel they're you know they're good where do they feel they need to improve blah 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 and we ask them the question and i've asked them the question many times over the years 
where do you see your career going? What do you want to achieve in rugby? And they change. They just, some of them just go, uh, no, I just enjoy it and I just want to carry on. Some of them just go, just sink a little bit. Go, oh, well, uh, wherever it takes me. And you almost have to tease it out of them and say, look, if you want to say you want to be a professional, there's nothing wrong with that. You have to be able to say it for people to know to help you do it. And they almost they almost look like they're embarrassed. But yeah. Yeah. But but then after after the conversation, it's almost like you're allowed to say it. Whether whether you achieve it or not is entirely up to you. But you're allowed to say it in the open. And if people laugh at you, how you use that as uh, let me let me skip sports now. Um, Michael Jordan said, every time somebody said he couldn't, he used it as a log on the fire of determination to make him become the greatest. Nice. Um, and I'm sure, and I've watched the Richie McCaw, uh, Chasing Great documentary. What a documentary. I urge anybody to watch that. And the Dan Carter, Perfect Ten, another brilliant, brilliant documentary. Obviously, two fantastically incredible players. But yeah, the understanding of um, writing down your goals for yourself but the more people you tell the more chance somebody will say well i could give you a hand with that but but we feel as men and i agree with you mark completely as men we kind of feel yeah no one's going to say that people are just going to laugh at you and ridicule you so why would you bother i wouldn't be here today if people hadn't helped me i, I don't know what to say i mean and i've <laughs> in comparison to what we read out about you mark i've done relatively little i've never run a marathon um but i do make it my goal to try and help people in every way i can every day uh, you've got kids james two you got you've done more than what i have mate you brought two people into this world to look after them and nurture them and grow them into adults and i haven't done that and that's probably the hardest job in the world, right, is to be a parent and to do it successfully. So never say to me again when you're talking to me that you've done not enough or haven't done sufficient or whatever. You've done an amazing job by just doing that and being a being a father. And, uh, you know, my hat goes off. I, I just want to go back to what you said about telling people. And Christopher Reeve, one of the biggest inspiration conversations I had with him, he, he said to me, tell me the, the number one idea in your head at the moment. And I spent the next 30 seconds going red with embarrassment, thinking I can't tell him my stupid ideas because he's going to laugh at me and I'm going to feel that big and I'm going to feel stupid and all the rest of it. And he said, what's the problem? Why can't you tell me your idea? I said, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I look at what you've done and achieved and my idea is just insignificant. And he goes, that's the lesson I want to teach you is that you tell your idea to someone and it'll gain momentum. Mm. And then once you've got momentum behind an idea, no one can stop you. And from that day forward, I, I started using that strategy in my life in terms of, and I've done it with this run. You know, I started this idea of this run back in July last year when I said to my wife, you know what? I'm going to become a world champion at ultra distance running. I'm going to start tomorrow, full-time job. I'm going to be an ultra distance runner. And she said, hang on a minute. How are we going to do that? We're going to have no... No money coming in. She just started a new business, right? I said, doesn't matter. We'll work out something. So July the 25th last year, I became a full-time dedicated ultra-distance runner. 
And then after a couple of weeks, I said, right, to train properly, I need to run across a couple of countries. And I want to do it for a cause where we can make a difference. And that's where this whole idea to run across the UK came from. And I got so much ridicule from people when I put it out online that I was going to, one, become a, a full-time ultra-distance runner at the age of 58, pro mostly from men, right, who were berating me and judging me and all the rest of it. And then when I said I was going to run across the UK, oh, you'll never achieve that. That's a 1,000 miles. You'll never be able to do that. But now I've run 111 days a row training. I run four hours a day most days. And I've got myself into a physical condition that I wasn't in when I was a professional tennis player. And I'm going to do something in a few weeks' time that's going to have a lot of people having egg on their face because they said you can't do it. And um, that's the motivation. But Christopher Reeve said, tell people your ideas because they'll gain momentum, right? You've sat and told me about your academy. I've now got my wheels spinning on how I can help your academy in certain ways with my network around the world, right? If you hadn't told me that, there wouldn't be that momentum going on, right? So that's what this is about. Today, I've got another four sponsors for this run through the UK. The list is over 20 now. Started from nothing. Just a dream in my head that I wanted to run across the UK for, for rugby. I'm on a podcast talking to you guys about my dream. So just go for it, right? That's the message to everybody. It doesn't matter how silly you think your idea is. Do it. Do it. Well, our podcast is only small. And um, it's been running for a while. It cost we're shoestring. These look fancy and blue, but they're just, they're probably the most expensive bit we got and they maybe cost six quid. It's <laughs> its shoestring. We're so lucky that you know we can hold the podcast here in Wimborne's clubhouse. Smacks, who is sat listening just behind the camera, who is still the greatest first guest that we ever had. Um, you know, he's the facilities manager here. Um, it's a real team effort just here. Jay helped, you know, he's... He's done loads of podcasts with us as well. Um, he's not here tonight, but, um, you know, he'll be back on again, I'm sure, at some point. It's just something that I had a passion and a desire to do and got some cheap equipment and thought, why the hell not? Why not just have a go? And, you know, and I'm not pushing it. I'm just enjoying it. And all of a sudden, we got guys like yourself on. We've had... Um, Mike Ford uh, on. We've had Victor Abogu on. Uh, next week, we've got um, Tony Underwood yep. coming on, um, ex-England uh, international and legend, which is going to be great to listen to him. But this is what it's all about, this this conversation about how can rugby help you in your day-to-day -day lives be a better man, woman, boy, girl, business person, friend, teammate buddy whatever um and to be talking to somebody in mexico at the moment on the other side of the world is mind-blowing you know I, I didn't think it'd ever be anything like that but here we are and uh yeah i'm really pleased we got the opportunity to too so i think because i want to touch on the second half of this podcast i am going to call half time there and um Halftime announcements today has to be the Loose Heads charity, a leading, leading mental health charity who want to tackle the stigma around mental health by building a community united around a shared mission to bring begin to turn the tide on poor mental health. You can find Loose Heads at Loose Heads, that's 
L-O-O-S-E-H-E-A-D-Z.co.uk, looseheads.co.uk. Go and support them. Um, go and look at their stuff. Engage with them on social media. They're fantastic to be uh, following just for uh, the conversation, as we've said earlier. And also go and have a look at the Run for Rugby um, and Mark's Just Giving page. Mark, can you direct everybody to um, to connect with you as you want them to and, and find your Just Giving page? Sure, will do. Yep. I'll, I can send you a link for that. Is that okay? That's fantastic. We'll put it on the... Um, Yep. Uh, put it in the write up and um and we'll share it through our social media as well. Thank you. But um but go and have a look at the run for rugby. Um give Mark all of the support um we can because as we've always already mentioned, uh if we're all behind uh somebody trying to achieve something, then everyone achieves. So second half. <clears throat> Apologies to everybody for the technical issues that I'm struggling with today. Um, we'll do a little bit of editing, I'm sure. Um, just on, on that note, actually, and I never say this on the podcast, I very rarely edit much out. I only tend to edit you know, technical issues or a noise or something like that out because I'm all about this podcast being real and the conversation yeah. being real. And we've had that. We've spoken about this earlier on. I don't want people thinking that this is a polished, clipped-up podcast that has bits taken out that we didn't want in, and and vice versa. It's it's all about honest conversation, which is why I held my hands up to not press and record earlier on. Because why would you bullshit? Why would you not just be honest and be real? Because if everyone's more honest and real, then you're going to have a, a better conversation an easier conversation. Maybe. Does that mean you'll put subtitles in for my accent for people to understand? <laughs> put subtitles in for Lee's accent every week. No. That's a bit, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit hard, isn't it? Oh, I, got I nice, understand. I, I, I won't <laughs> accent I've got. <laughs> I understand you perfectly, mate. You, you sound like you're from the South Island in New Zealand. Perfect. There you go. See, there well, you now no now I feel the odd one out, and I'm the one out wearing a New Zealand shirt. <laughs> so, Mark, we like to start the second half off and try and impart some of that rugby wisdom with uh, our supporters. Uh, we start the um, the second half off with a question: What does rugby mean to you? Ooh, what does it mean? It's the game played in heaven, right? <laughs> So we'll end the podcast there. I think so. so yeah. <laughs> it's the simple answer, isn't it? Often it's the simple one answers are the best, though, aren't they? Yeah. Hey. There you go. Okay. <laughs> we won't pursue that anymore because actually, yeah, why would you? Yeah, it is the game played in heaven. Well, there are there questions go. to come. Don't worry. That's fine. Go on then. I'll have a go. Come on. I'll have a go. All right, Mark. Uh, so what have you learned from rugby that has helped you most? Well, I'll tell you what, maybe a different kind of answer than what you were expecting, but I was sitting in Soldiers Field in Chicago in 2014 when the All Blacks played the US Eagles in America. And that experience taught me that anything is possible. If the All Blacks can play rugby in Chicago, 
in front of a dire United States American football, basketball, baseball crowd and get that stadium rocking with excitement, then anything in life is possible. So rugby's taught me that really anything is possible, right? And um, the global nature of the game today is is fantastic to see, um, and that excites me, and, and also chasing your dreams. You know, you look at the All Blacks over the years and young boys that have grown up in farms across New Zealand, right, have come to play on the biggest stages of the world. So... You know, dreams come true through that game and uh, seen it time and time again. I'm from Taranaki in New Zealand, which is the home of the greats of Murray, uh, Graham Murray and um, uh, Dave Loveridge, the all-black halfback that played for many years and was an icon in the game. And, and more recently, the Barrett brothers, yeah, had come from Taranaki. So we've got a long history of the game from that little province and all those guys are inspirational people to young boys in New Zealand, right, growing up. So um, follow your dreams. That's what rugby's taught me is follow your dreams because they can come true. I love that. That's fantastic. And um, we've got quite a following in the US as well, surprisingly, um, <laughs> seeing as, like you say, it's not a rugby nation. One of our guests a while ago was uh, um, Dr. Brendan Meany, who's um, a psychologist in uh, sports performance. Um, and an American who played college football and and became a rugby player, rugby fan, um, loved the game and and yeah, and that tra- transition he found was fantastic. So, so yeah, like you say, it's New Zealand's iconic with rugby, and and when you see the youngsters in New Zealand on on any, I've not I've I've never been to New Zealand, but you see it on the documentaries on the telly, they all have that. You can see that dream in them. As they're running around, you don't have to be there. You can see that they all want to be all blacks. Um, and yeah, and for that to be infectious enough to spread around the world's uh, it's fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Follow your dream. There you go. There you go. That's what it is, isn't it? There Sums it up in a nutshell, really. Yeah, it does. I'm sorry. So, uh, what do you hope other people get from rugby? Well, there's so many things um, that we can all learn from rugby and we've touched on it today in terms of that camaraderie, right? Um, the family, the family that that is world rugby. And we're going to see it in France later this year when the world comes together for the Rugby World Cup, for the Men's Rugby World Cup. And there's as much as much excitement in the, in the smaller nations. Um, and that's what I love about it. If you look at countries like Fiji, and, and Lee talked earlier about France being one of his favourite teams. Um, I throw Fiji in there as well as, you know, the unpredictable, right, um, and the flamboyant nature that they bring to the game. So rugby also teaches us that you can you can do things in a different way. We talked about the women's final in New Zealand and how the English team had a completely different mindset and strategy to the, uh, to the New Zealand team. And yet here, here they were sharing the same field trying to kill each other, playing different strategies, right? Which is fa- fantastic. So it teaches us about, you know, one size doesn't fit all in rugby, right? So that's a, a carry-on that we can take out into the world, whether you're on a construction site or an engineering project, right? There's different ways of getting the solution that you want to come up with. Um, different materials to build a building, right, James? You don't need just to have concrete. Um, so rugby teaches us those skills. Um, communication's the key, though, isn't it? You know, like, 
you don't achieve anything on a rugby field without being able to communicate to your mates and uh, all following the same objective. So it teaches how to have a to, to chase the objective of the team, right? And how to play a specific game. Those skills are transferable into the business world. Um, and you see a lot of players who finish their careers go off to have a successful business life because of what rugby has taught them yeah. around leadership, around skills, communication skills. So yeah, there's so many things that we can take away from from rugby as a game. Um, but those are some of the things that I'd share. We've, we've said a before and and it it's something i i love about rugby more so than any other sport is um it takes all sorts to to create a rugby team and i mean different sizes different shapes different um different backgrounds different all sorts but i i love the fact that um we can't all play the same position so why are we trying to be like everybody else around us? If we were all trying to be like everyone else around us, we'd all be um, a fullback or a, a wing or a number 10. We can't be that. We can we can only be what we are, find our position in our team and be the very best we can be at it and embrace the fact that we're different to everybody else and have that communication. And like you said, you know, even in the construction industry, it just takes more than concrete to build like studs to build houses, maybe. Studs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love that. And I and I don't know of any other sport that has quite that difference in the in the positions to create something that Amy Amy said it, didn't she? When when she goes out on a rugby social she said, whenever in any other walk of life would you get this diverse a, a group of people going out for a beer after a game? Well, there's a, there's a place for everyone, isn't there? That's the thing, and I think that's that's that is the, the the big message here, isn't it? You know, when you go out into the world, yeah, there's a place for you in this world, yeah. You don't have to be anything else; you can just be yourself, you know, right? But find 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 what you do, find your niche, um, you know, find your dream, right, and go and get it. So, you know, it's no real different to fit in somewhere in, in within that those fifteen positions. So, yeah, it's. Um, there is no other game like it you know that's that's for sure yeah there's and uh you know as, as as amy said you know when would you get those particular people together you know the people you meet from all different walks of life if it wasn't for the game in many respects you would never have had that, a conversation with them you'd never been in the same place would you yeah exactly right. right yep look if i can add one thing to this conversation that we're having now about Please. how great the game is i think we also need to focus on how much better the game can be. Mm. So when you say be more rugby, and that's the name of your podcast, I think we need to be better rugby as well. And there's a lot of things that still need improving. And we we sometimes have to shine the light on the badness and the darkness to, to improve it, right? Um, most sports around the world today have an issue with racism. Most sports around the world today have a mental health issue. And we need to shine a light on those things uh, across every rugby playing pitch in the world because we need to make sure those things are eradicated from the game. Because whether our young five-year-old son is growing up to play the game or our Aboriginal cousin in Australia is wanting to play the game, they should all be able to play the game in a fair and respected way, no matter whether they're playing at Twickenham or whether they're playing at 
you know, a country ground in Carlisle um, in the UK, right? So I think we also need to focus as a global family on making the game even better still and be more, be more rugby, be better rugby. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And of course, here we are talking about your run for rugby and shedding light on that exactly. Um, as, as well as, a, you know, as the loose heads guys are doing so much to shed this light on uh on mental health based around rugby. Um, let's hope that other sports as well are inspired by the loose heads guys and by you, Mark, of course, um, and by everybody that's listening that I hope will step up after this podcast and be more full stop. Nice. Thanks. That's all right. I like that. I like the way you said full stop as well. That probably means I've got to ask the next question then. Why not? <laughs> so, Mark, another question for you. Um, uh, what advice would you give to anyone thinking of taking up rugby? Do your due diligence. I think one of the problems that parents and kids have these days is the opportunity of choice. There's a lot of sports out there that want to get their young kids involved and they're doing some great marketing around drawing in the young kids into their sport. So I think it's important, no matter what age you are, when you're starting your sport and journey into a new sport, do your due diligence. Is the club that you want to join? What's their history? What's their track record when it comes to supporting players? Um What's their structure they've got in place? And some of these things might sound boring to people, but I think they're fundamentally important because some clubs that have crises going on, whether it be they're heading towards bankruptcy, um, they have coaching issues um, that are well-versed in the media these days about all sorts of nasty things that are going on. So I think as a parent putting their kid into sport today, you've got to do your due diligence and making sure that you're putting your kid into a safe environment an environment that's going to nurture the child and also understand where that child wants to go. So if they do have a dream of one day playing for their nation, are they joining an organization that's going to help them on that pathway? You know, are they going to come across your academy? Are they going to then have a pathway into more senior rugby? So the number one thing I'd say is do your due diligence before you start anything. I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's a good answer. Yeah. We, um, we get lots of answers for these questions because we, we try to stick with the same sort of questions. Um, and often, I mean, it's, it's such a diverse answer, but yeah, that's really actually hit home because sometimes there are situations where youngsters that have dreams go somewhere thinking that they're going to be able to continue that dream or fulfill that dream and they get squashed by an ignorant comment or a lack of belief or uh dare I say it um uh, coaches that are just don't really care and um yeah I think it's important and and I think with rugby teams as well and rugby clubs and I agree with you completely rugby's not the perfect sport even though it's played in heaven um they obviously have better coaches up there but um it isn't a perfect sport and rugby clubs aren't perfect because they're run by 
people who aren't perfect. But if we can all have the conversation more around how we support each other, um, how we become more um, ourselves as a team, then maybe we can get closer to perfection. Yeah, maybe. I think it's, <clears throat> it's about being open, isn't it? Open and honest with everyone. But also also having that environment where you feel confident to be open and honest, you know, um, really. I, I think that's the way we improve. Um, we keep having the conversations and day by day, bit by bit, we just get slightly better at what we do, slightly better how we produce things, how we promote things to the kids, how we coach the kids, you know, right? We just improve slowly day by day. But if you can't get the information out there, then how can you address it? How can you improve it? Mark, can you let us know how the conversation went with you and the loose heads guys when you first started to um uh prepare to do this run when you when you first engaged with them sure yeah um they said well can't understand your accent so can you send us an email <laughs> no um I basically told them what my uh, what my background was and why I wanted to do this to help them out, and I felt that their their vision of what they want to do as an organisation fits perfectly with where I've come from. You know, when I was in the corporate world, I used to run global businesses, so I, I saw an opportunity that Looseheads is at an embryonic stage of becoming a global entity, right? And, and hopefully in the future, we can see the World Rugby Organization getting behind Looseheads, along with all the big global sponsors of rugby, you know, DHL, which I used to work for, um, and, and all these big sponsors getting behind Looseheads and making a global enterprise, right? Because it's all very well saving a couple of lives, but when there's hundreds and thousands of people in the family that we've got to look after, it's going to take some enormous investment. So... James, you mentioned before that the guys at Looseheads are doing a fantastic job, and they are, but we should never rest on our laurels because this is a young organisation that wants to grow, has great ambitions, they're doing the right things, and they need help. So it's not only financial help, it's people with skills and connections and networks and all these other things that make businesses not only thrive but become sustainable. And um, that's what I spoke to Rob about when I first spoke to him about joining up with Lucids, that this is what I bring um, in terms of my support. And I don't want a fancy title and I don't need to be an ambassador and all this stuff. I just want to help out the rugby family, right? And if we all looked inside ourselves and said, right, what can I do to help out this organisation, you know? Oh, I'm a construction guy, so I can go and build a, a new stadium somewhere for a, for a team, right? And give them a safe environment to play in. Or I can help train coaches and give them some personal development. We can all play a role in this, right? And all those things are going to help the mental health of that community because there's going to be less pressure, less stress. And, you know, we talked about it today. If I go back to when I first started playing sport, I did it because it was fun. Mm. You know, in New Zealand, we didn't have much, right, in terms of young kids kicking a football around. We didn't have fancy stadiums. I didn't have a pair of boots until I was, what, 12 or 13, right? So bare feet, running around on fro frozen grounds, kicking a rugby ball around. It was great fun up to my ears in mud most of the time, right? Sliding around the grass. And these days we've become soft because it's all about the sponsor's dollars and, and looking good on TV or in an Instagram post or whatever. 
we've got to go back to making the sport fun again so people can enjoy it so that coaches feel less pressure of having to win and all these other pressures that they have and expectations that are people putting on them because that's what makes rugby so great. We can throw a ball into a crowd and we can have a game, right? We can have a touch game. We can have a serious game, whatever, but it's fun to do it and then come off and have a beer afterwards and chat about it. We must never lose the sight of where the history of the game came from and what it was all about. And our, our far, you know, forefathers in the game taught us that. You know, They came from rugged backgrounds, as I mentioned today. The Kiwis came off the farms of New Zealand to play this great game, and then they travelled the world, and they became inspirers, you know, the Invincibles, right, that, that went over to the UK and, and did what they did. They inspired generations to come, and that's where this great game has come from. So... Yeah, I think we need to look at the whole totality of why someone like me wants to step up and help an organization from loose heads because I want to get as many people as I can around the world involved in that organization to help them be successful because then we'll save lives. And that's what this is all about. That's, Sorry, no, I, I went on a bit. No, you, no <laughs> please don't apologize. Um, <laughs> it, it comes home to me where on a Wednesday night I have um, uh, we run uh, the the it's called the vets but we refer to ourselves as the fat dads. We come down on a Wednesday night down here. Um, it's usually dark, although in a few weeks' time we're going down to the beach to do our rugby on the beach. It's touch rugby, all shapes, sizes, ages. Mike's in his he's seventy two, seventy four. Yeah. Is he older yeah. than that? Yeah. He he comes around. He still runs around. You know, everyone's a little bit careful around him. Although he, you know, he puts a good shift in, and we all just have a chuck a rugby ball around, have a real laugh, then go to the pub, have a beer, have a slice of pizza. Although we've had paella just lately. Paella, yeah, paella. What's paella? Paella. Yeah, I've got to try that. <laughs> Thanks. That's my accent. But Fantastic. it just yeah. is. I look forward to it every week, just coming and throwing a rugby ball about. Because yeah, you know, go and play. I've been, you know, we've been playing threes, haven't we? A we couple have, of times, yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's such a fantastic, such a fantastic game to get involved in playing full contact threes again, especially when you're old like we are. But um, it's awesome, but it's not fun. Whereas Wednesday's just fun, and yeah. That's what it should be. Well, what's not fun is the pain three days after. That's that's the non <laughs> non fun bit. Mark, I um think we're going to have to call time on our game. Um, I know you're still in the middle of the day. We're knocking on in the uh, evening hours now, but I uh, just want to say thank you. It's been an absolute privilege and an inspiration having you on the podcast. Um. My takeaways, two takeaways. It's got to be fun and rugby's played in heaven. There you go. There you go. There you go. I awesome. love that. Awesome. What about yourself, Lee? Oh, for me, um, I just like the, uh, the, uh, the, the thought that if you have an idea, tell someone and they can help you to make it happen. Just love that idea. Mm. Yeah. Because you're right. You know, how, you know, that might be that one critical person you need. I think that's a great, great idea. Love that. Mm. And and I love the how honest you've been as well, Mark. You can you can really see uh, 
you come over really well well on 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 the screen it's it's you know your emotions there you know we had i understand we understand how much you feel about this and how important it is to you so i really love that mm. yes and um of course everybody that listened have a conversation with somebody start talking to somebody even if it's if it doesn't feel big now these things that aren't big tend to get bigger if you don't do anything about them have a conversation with them just take your time to ask as well there's plenty of people out there that might be afraid to uh, to have a conversation and sometimes it's just that that one question um so thank you again mark if you would um again tell us your um your social media is run for rugby run for rugby uh, we've got Run for Rugby UK 2023 on Instagram. Follow us there. Uh, I'll send you guys the links to my YouTube channel where we're going to be doing daily uh, video uploads from the run itself. So you'll be able to see every day where we are, what event we've got. We're going to be going to at least 30 rugby clubs along the way. So oh, fantastic. Wow. I was just yeah. going to ask you that question, actually. That's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So if you are listening and you want us to come to your rugby club, give me a shout out because I'd love to come and either talk or just mingle, kick a ball around, have a pass or two. Um, I want to get to as many rugby clubs through the UK as I, I can. I'm also slated down to go to Murrayfield, to the Carter Farms Park, to the Principality Stadium and also Twickenham. So we're going to do some great stuff at each of the big stadiums on, along the way. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about saving lives. So if you're out there and you're not okay today, reach out, have a chat. doesn't matter. I'm on the other side of the world. I'll stay up and have a talk to anybody and uh, make sure you're okay. So, guys, I want to thank you very much for having me on your show. Really enjoyed meeting you. We've opened the door now. There's an opportunity. There's some momentum now. So I don't want to be a guest that you never hear from again. I want to be a guest that gets engaged in your mission. What you're doing with the academy is fantastic, helping young, young people in the sport that I love. And if there's anything I can do and my network can do, then we'll step up and help you as well. So just let me know. Thank you. That's, that's so, fantastic. Yeah. So appreciate that. Um, we will keep in touch. Uh, we'll post some stuff on social media and link up with you on there so that people can follow. Um, and um, and I hope I'm going to see you both on my run. You can come and do a few miles with me, yeah? Come on. <laughs> I can drive along the side and, and Lee can hang out of a window. <laughs> put, it, put it on the record now, yeah? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that one. But uh, but no, we definitely will keep in touch and we'll, um, we'll watch you on your way and... I'm sure we'll mention you as well, but yes, we'll keep all over the social media. And again, the loose heads guys go and have a look at looseheads.co.uk. That's loose heads with a Z.co.uk. Have a look at what they're doing as well. Um, until next time, be more, but be more with the rugby mindset. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, James. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, gentlemen. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Absolutely. Mark.